The most important thing is to understand what the goals of the participants is, you know, what those goals are. Like Laura was saying, listening to them speak is when you really get the nuggets, the gold nuggets. So keeping that in mind, what it is that they are trying to accomplish, what are their problems, their pain points, and you're just trying to help them in some way through this conversation. Today on Strategy Shorts, I am very, very excited. One, because this is an experimental episode of sorts. This is the first time that we've had two guests on the show at the same time. And two, because these are two very good friends from the facilitator world. We're all part of the community run by AJ and Smart. So big shout out to all of our friends over there. But I'm joined today by David Rivera and Laurie Deschamps. David, starting with you, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and and what you're doing in the facilitator universe? Oh, well, thank you, Dan. Thank you for inviting me to your show. Very excited. Uh, so yeah, my name is David Rovira. I'm from Boca Raton, Florida. I'm a designer by training and uh, always interested in finding opportunities to make things better. Uh, so focused on all things UX, product design, and now team collaboration. And last year, I added workshop design and facilitation to my practice as part of the things that we were doing with AJ and Smart. And Laurie, you're kind of, you're joining us from a slightly different background and have found your way into facilitation through a slightly different route. So why don't you introduce yourself and how you ended up in the facilitation world? Yeah, thanks. So um, I'm a UX researcher um, as a day job. And usually we do um, workshopping and facilitation in in our UX practice. Uh, it's usually in design sprints. So this is why I joined AJ and Smart to be able to perfect that skill. Awesome. Thank you. Now, we thought it would be interesting to tackle this episode together because David and Laurie have recently taken on some research together, which requires really two disciplines in the world of facilitation hosting the conversations and allowing those to breathe and move and exist, but also providing some structure to those conversations. So it's a really fascinating way to engage with with workshopping and, and facilitation as a category. But before we kind of dive into that, I don't get to do this very much. I don't really get to talk about how I entered the world of, of workshopping and facilitation. So I'm going to indulge myself for a second here. And you guys probably don't know this about me either, but so my background in, in, in workshopping and facilitation started way back. I was a youth worker back in the day running community projects and working with hundreds of kids over the years and working with their families, I found that I needed to be good at a few things. One was convincing young people to be interested in the programs that I was running. So I sort of needed to be good at marketing, but I also needed to inspire a lot of volunteers to help me out. And the programs that I was running over the years in different charities and things they they grew to quite a large level so we were working with hundreds of kids every week by the time I finished that chapter of my career and it relied on me being a good marketer it, it I had to be a good facilitator I had to be good at running workshops and doing training and that's really where I caught the bug it was just a necessary part of that universe really from there I got into marketing and then running workshops for brands and it's just sort of remained part of my repertoire over the years. But it's taken me to the age of 40 to start doing some actual training in it. So 
I'm really excited to be a part of this community. It's really, really exciting. Now, I've asked you both to think through, based on the recent work that you've been doing, I've asked you both to think of some lessons and some insights to share with our audience. You both know that strategy short is short and practical. We want to give people things that they can take away and think about, take away and try. And so coming to you, first of all, in this next section, David, talk to us a little bit about the piece of work that you did recently. And I know that you've been thinking as well about sort of some some key lessons and takeaways that you want to share uh, with our listeners and viewers today. So why don't you start by talking about what's the thing that you and Laurie did recently together? Well, we were helping an entrepreneur and his team with a new project for an AI marketing digital assistant, something very buzzy, you know, very interesting. And, uh, you know, try to give shape to that. So as part of um, the community that we're part of, you know, we knew so many people that could use a tool like that. So we started by talking with them and surveying their opinions and their behavior and what kind of expectations they would have for a tool like that. So that kind of like helped us shape the direction forward. Then after that, uh, we designed a prototype of what that could look like and designed landing pages and the application itself, and then showed it to some of these people in the community as well and got their feedback on it and got it record them using it. So, so to use this information to inform the decisions to be made, but, but how, how do we match that with facilitation? That's the interesting part um, because now everybody wants to be part of the decision-making process. It's not just the designers as designing or the researcher that's researching. We have to work together and we have to kind of have a cross-functional approach. So that's what uh, having this knowledge of uh, being able to do facilitation helped us to get more voices involved in the process. Okay, so I guess really where we're directing this episode is we want to offer some insights from that process to really help facilitators and help people who are hosting workshops because it can be a difficult space to engage with you've got to be at peace with navigating conversations that might move in a range of different directions but at the same time you need to have some structure and some discipline and i know that that both of you within those different territories have been thinking about some key lessons so david why don't you talk us through the top three things that you wanted to bring out of that experience of doing that UX research recently? Well, you know, there's so many things, uh, but, you know, going with the thought process that more people need to be involved, you know, just trying to remember that the designer's role has shifted and uh, now it's about trying to gather the shared understanding of a group of people and getting that collective knowledge to be applied and, and making synergy possible. Um, you know, making truly like individuals being able to benefit from the wisdom of a group. So, you know, how do we do that? I don't know. I guess like the top challenges that I've faced is um, how to stay productive within a conversation with many people. So one of the things that, that like I've picked up and that I've learned, especially from, you know, the knowledge that we gained from AJ and Smart, um, it's to, you know, like set expectations, ask permission from the group when you're about to begin working with them. Let them know what's going on. Keep them very informed of, of what you're trying to do. Establish a structure for the work you're going to do, but you know, make them engage and, and be a part of that. Get their implied approval of what's about to happen. You know, and um, so it's important to set agendas. You know, and to establish yourself a structure 
so they can have a lay of the land. And uh, it's kind of like a, a map of the group activities, but um, not necessarily like a checklist. You, know, you can have your own checklists, but for them, it's more about kind of like helping them connect with what it is that they're going to achieve at each stage of the process. So pressing it more like questions, like what it is that each part is going to be revealing or what they're going to be achieving in each section as you go through the whole process. And, you know, just really letting it flow not being too bound by that structure that you can't improvise. It it's, has to be conversational. You have to get people to participate. So sometimes there's going to be some back and forth and, and things are not going to be necessarily all orderly. But, you know, just in general, let it flow, keep it informal and, and keep people engaged. That's awesome. I love that. The asking permission thing is, I think is so important. Like you've got to take people with you on the journey, but at the same time, you've got to make sure that you're setting expectations, that you're giving people an agenda to work to, and it's going to keep you on track. But the really tricky thing in all of this is how do you stick to that stuff, but also let the conversation flow. And I know that when we were discussing this episode, Laura, you are coming at this from perhaps a bit more of a structural standpoint that's kind of in your wheelhouse from the UX experience design stuff. And actually having a structure is really, really important. I know you've been thinking about within the kind of wider space of facilitation, how you approach the structural elements that you need to have as someone who's leading a workshop or facilitating a session. So why don't you talk us through a little bit about your experience and, and some of the key lessons that you took away from doing this work together? Yeah, so from a UX research point of view, actually there's some parallel between the workshop, workshopping or facilitation guidelines and also how to facilitate any, like David said, it, it's any conversation really. So even an interview with a participant is like a conversation. Even though it is structured and you do have an agenda and uh, you do want to have some findings at the end of the conversation. Um, but yeah, so I guess my first takeaway from this experience was to know your script very well. Um, so be very prepared. Uh, know why each question matters, what insights they will give you, um, and the general order of the flow. Uh, so what you want to start with, uh, how you want to manage the middle bit. Usually it's the messy middle, but it, it also happens during an interview um, and how you want to end. Um, so that kind of resonates with the start strong, be the guide, and then end strong uh, principles of facilitation. And uh, also managing the energy of the participants. Um, that's also something uh, to watch out for because if the interview is too long or the participant doesn't know where you're going, um, usually they can be demotivated and not give so much uh, insightful feedback. Um, so yeah, that's part of knowing your script very, very well. It usually gives you much more control over the over the general conversation and how it how it flows. Um, then the the second takeaway from this experience was to be prepared to pivot. So obviously we're all humans, um, the unexpected always happens uh, and that's totally normal. And uh, the key here is to not freak out if the participant's not answering the question you um, you thought they would answer it. 
uh, or they completely drift away to, to another point or they start with something different uh, from what you wanted to start with. Um, so yeah, um, this is all natural. This is all human. Um, but again, if you do know your script very well, um, you're going to be very much more prepared to uh, reroute and pivot and change directions and probably start with the last question you scripted and end with the first one. Uh, usually that never happens, but uh, it's, yeah, that's something that can happen. So yeah, and I think the 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 key insight here is if you leave room for unexpected discoveries, this is usually where all the golden bits happen. So I think, yeah, David can also share some cases that we've had where we didn't really expect this participant to tell us this pain point, but that's actually a very important pain point that we haven't thought of. Um, so that was really helpful. So leaving room for unexpected stuff while knowing your script is, is another uh, good skill to have. And the last one is to be prepared to reroute. Um, so I always have key phrases, you know, like already written phrases that I can uh, pick from my bag and, and use if I want to politely reroute the, the participant if they've completely gone off topic or if they give an, in, uh, an insight on something that I uh, wasn't looking for. So usually, yeah, these are the three, three things I'd say that are important. Okay, so we've got there, we've got know your script, um, which is all about giving yourself the, the, the structure and knowing that inside out so that you can feel really confident in hosting that conversation. Then we've got be prepared to pivot. So you've got to allow room for the conversation to wander because you've got to give people permission to talk freely because that's where the gold is, right? But you so you need to be ready to sort of change your script up if the conversation requires it. But also having those cues so you can actually reroute the conversation back to the subject at hand because you want to have a conversation. People want to talk. They want to talk about what they want to talk about. But as a, as a researcher or an interviewer or a facilitator, you've got a job to do. So you need to find a way to bring it back. But the thing that I really loved was the idea of managing the energy. And I think that's something that lots of facilitators sometimes forget to do, that the people in the room, they're not in your head. They're not, they don't share the excitement or the energy that you've got. And so you've got to find a way to share that energy. And if you feel the conversation drying up a little bit or there feels like there's a lack of clarity about the direction you've got to sort of bring that energy back up by letting people know where they are reorientating them in the conversation so maybe the reroute thing sometimes is about reorientating the energy in the conversation thank you so much for that Laurie. loads of value actually i think you gave there's probably like five things in there if anyone's making notes just coming back to you david you know we've talked about you sort of covered the the facilitation space a bit more broadly with some things that people need to hold on to. You mentioned asking permission, setting an agenda and letting the conversation flow. If you were going to pick one of those things that you really want to impress on people as, as an essential thing, like if somebody's facilitating a workshop tomorrow or they're beginning to think about taking facilitation more seriously as, as a career path, What's the kind of thing that you would really want them to take away from what you said from from those three starting points? Well, I think that um, 
the most important thing is to understand what the goals of the participants is, you know, what those goals are. If you can help them achieve those goals through that conversation, then you've done your, your work, you've done your job. Uh, so keeping that as your North star will allow you to be more fluid and to not, you know, necessarily like, you know, break out the conversation let it happen. Let them express themselves a lot better. And then let those insights happen, which was really interesting. Like Laura was saying, listening to them speak is when you really get the nuggets, the cold nuggets. So keeping that in mind, what it is that they are trying to accomplish, what are their problems, their pain points, and you're just trying to help them in some way through this conversation. Yeah, I love that. I love setting your North Star because it will allow those gray spaces to happen because that's where the gold is. That's where the real nuggets are. That's where the real insights belong. They don't really belong in the structure and the, the over-framing that we might be tempted to do because we're trying to get a job done. They, they're found in those gray spaces. So setting your North Star, so essential. And, and Laurie, just kind of coming back to you, we're, we're coming into land now as far as the episode's concerned. But from your three or five, maybe it was, but so you've got know your script, being prepared to pivot and finding the reroute by having those, those, those prompts, those things that you need to hold on to as a facilitator. What do you think your top takeaway is? What do you think people need to really hold on to once they finish listening to this episode? I guess following, following up on uh, what David mentioned with the North Star, I'd say be prepared to pivot. Uh, because yeah, this is, it's in the unexpected that the gold happens usually, sometimes not, but it's fine. If you're at ease with the unexpected because you, you've got that North star, you've got that script really nailed, then yeah, nothing can go wrong really. Guys, as I said, we are coming into land and we're just about done in time for today's episode. And I'm not really sure how it's going to work with three of us being on the call who speaks first when I say thanks for coming on the show I guess we're about to find out but thank you both so much for making some space for strategy shorts in your busy schedules and let's speak again soon thank you so much Dan thank you Dan see you soon <laughs>